It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, every day, every day. All right, it is episode number 270 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. As you probably know by now, if you've paid any attention to media reports and the NFL world, since the last time we checked in on Monday afternoon with episode number 269 or late Monday morning East Coast time with episode number 269, and certainly we alluded to it and we have alluded to it and we've mentioned it and we've reported it and we've opinionized on it and we've talked about it and we've discussed it, Trent Williams is apparently not going to show up on Wednesday, to the Bon Secours Washington Redskins Training Center and Redskins Training Camp 2019. Mike Garofolo of NFL Network was the first to officially report this. Again, this has been my expectation. This has been something we've talked about a lot here on the podcast. Uh, this is something I've said on the radio, on Twitter. I did not expect, and I do not expect Trent uh, to be at all in Richmond. I have said right around the third preseason game was my guess. And uh, uh, granted, that was just a guess. It may be even longer than that. But Garofolo of NFL Media and NFL Network, along with Ian Rappaport, uh, said this, quote, Redskins left tackle Trent Williams is not expected to report to training camp with the rest of his teammates this week, sources tell me. And Ian Rappaport, he didn't show for many camp in June, and it could be quite a while before he's back with the team. So the money statement there is it could be quite a while before he's back with the team. So somebody is telling Garofolo that. That sounds like an agent-driven thing. I don't know that for sure. Mike is a very good reporter. He's been great to me, uh, so I don't want to like set him up for fail. But, I mean, that just reads as that's an agent saying, hey, my guy's not going to be there. And, oh, by the way, don't expect him anytime soon. Which should hit you with a pretty big gut punch because, again, it's one thing for Trent Williams not to be there on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sweating it out in Richmond, getting beat up, banged up, grinding it out. He wasn't going to play in the preseason anyway. I mean, he wasn't. And and Rappaport added to this by saying, hey, look, by the way, you know, complicating the matters even more is Trent Williams has not been medically cleared. He hadn't been medically cleared, we assume, by the team. We don't know if that means medically cleared by an independent surgeon. We don't know because nobody will talk. Nobody will give us any amount of information. But assuming that at the very minimum he hasn't been medically cleared by the team, and I don't know how he could be medically cleared by the team when he hasn't been to the facility, right? So assuming that, again, that all makes sense, Trent would have to show up, would have to report to get medically cleared. They're not going to Houston to medically clear him. Uh, Again, unless the inference was an independent surgeon, which I suppose is theoretically possible, but he would still have to get checked out by Redskins doctors and medical personnel in order to play. 
in order to be back with the team. So that's one part of this. But again, the bigger part of this is when Garofolo throws out there, quote, it could be quite a while before he's back with the team. Now, we don't know what quite a while means. Again, that could mean my timeline, mid-August. Right around the third preseason game, which technically is later than mid-August. I mean, it could be right after the 53-man cutdown. It could be right before week one, where he doesn't play in that game, but maybe he's able to play in week two against the Cowboys, a la Aaron Donald two years ago when he made his season debut in week two against the Redskins after reporting during the middle of week one. Now, he was only a couple years into his career, but still very much a stud. And that was a rookie head coach at a bad organization at that point in Sean McVay and the Rams, and he was trying to use his leverage. And eventually he got himself a monster deal. Is Trent Williams looking at that and seeing, well, okay, that's kind of the way it should work? Is he looking at the Dwayne Brown situation and saying, well, here's how it worked for that guy? I'm going to go do that? I I don't know because Trent Williams hasn't talked. And nobody will kind of give any clarity. But... Here's one thing that, you know, I'll kind of point back to, and again, plenty of others have brought this up, is back in 2017, Dwayne Brown, a Richmond native, NFL star offensive tackle, last of the Houston Texans, holding out, was scheduled to make almost $10 million, a three-time Pro Bowler, entering his 10th year at that point. And nearing the end of a, you know, again, a six-year deal, a multi-year deal that paid him millions and millions of dollars. He actually had, again, two years left on his deal at 9.4 and 9.75 uh, the final two years. But again, none, none of it was guaranteed. Very similar to, again, Trent Williams. And he looked at that and said, well, look, the sub, the, the, the standard fine of $40,000 each day missing training camp is worth that to make a stand. He only needs to play, or he only needed to play eight games, according to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch that year in Richmond.com. And I think that's still the rule. And eventually he got traded to the Seattle Seahawks. Again, I'm not telling you it's exactly going to play that way, but it could be a situation where Trent is out for more than just the preseason and he misses the hardest part of the Redskins schedule and shows up, you know, week six, week seven, week eight, and they've looked terrible and it shows you how much they need him. And he's got everybody on his side because the kid is getting killed or Case Keenum's getting killed or Colt McCoy's getting killed. It could be all of that. So the bottom line is this. Trent Williams does have a lot of leverage. 
Trent Williams does not need does not need the money that they're going to fine him. In a lot of cases, those fines ultimately get thrown out when a player signs a new contract or does whatever. $40,000 is a lot of money. Not to Trent Williams. I mean, to make a stand, to get what he wants, to get what he believes, he could be looking at that as, as a cost of doing business. Now, the other part of this and the other component of this that I'm not aware of with Dwayne Brown and certainly was not the case with Aaron Donald, just using those two examples, is the medical issues. We all understand that Trent was frustrated, angry, hostile, whatever the case might be, about his either diagnosis or his initial care or his long-term care or some part or all parts of his medical treatment. Again, Trent has not said that. His agent has not directly said that, but Jason Lockenfora reported that. The bottom line is this. All of that could be true, and he could still want more money. See, how it works in the NFL is you don't want to be known as a me-first, money-first money-only type guy. So Trent and his agent could be using that as a shield. There could be some legitimacy to it, and I believe there is. But it could be 5%, 10%, could be 20%, could be more. I don't know. But I don't think it's the overwhelming number one cause, reason, or factor or end game in this. I think money is that, security. And that's loyalty, and that's, you know, Showing respect, the only way that athletes figure a team and an owner and an organization can show respect. But I do believe that the medical part of this is a component that cannot be denied and should not be dismissed. And I won't dismiss it. I don't think anybody is dismissing it, but it shouldn't be dismissed. And that's the problem. If... He is really dug in on the contract and really worried and concerned about the future and how easy it is for the Redskins to get out. And we broke down these numbers. They can get out of it for less than $2 million worth of dead cap money next year. Again, there's no more guaranteed money on the deal after this year. If he's really worried about that and worried about the medicals, that's two major strikes against the Redskins in Trent Williams' mind. And there's other stuff. And that might be too hard to overcome. A guy like Aaron Donald was only mad about the money. Or only making a stand about the money. That's it. He was trying to use his leverage as the best player they had to get more money. And he did. Trent could have the money and the medicals. Oh, and by the way, he's the best player on the team. Or at least on the offense. And he knows that the Redskins are over a barrel over the falls if they don't have him. As we've talked about. Jaron Christian, Eric Flowers, so on and so forth. So Trent's got a lot of the leverage here. He doesn't, I will say this. I don't think Trent's wrong. I I don't think the Redskins are wrong either right now. Um, Could the Redskins solve this and make this go away? Probably. But I don't blame the Redskins if they're looking at it and saying, look, we've got you under contract for two years at, you know, top five money at the position or whatever the average annual value now turns out to be. And again, that's not always a fair way to look at it. 
and we, you know, look, we're willing to do something with you, but you, you've got to come in. You've got to come in. Then we'll talk. You've got to show us that you're still committed to us. Then we'll reward you. Then we'll talk. Then we'll see if we can bridge the gap. That's what I think the Redskins are kind of thinking and doing. Redskins aren't going to get bullied into a corner and slapped around silly just because Trent Williams is making some demands or just because he's making a couple of vital threats. And maybe they're not so idle threats. Maybe it'll be a situation where Trent Williams never plays again for the Redskins. That would be a shame. I mean, it's happened before. I mean, we'll just see how serious and committed Trent Williams is. Again, $40,000 if it's still that, which I believe it is, is a good amount of money. It's virtually nothing. It should be virtually nothing to Trent. But, I mean, when you tally that up over 40, 35, 40 days, uh, I mean, it starts to become... More than nothing. So the bottom line is, is unless he has a a change of heart, Trent Williams is not going to be there. Again, this was expected. Nobody should be surprised by this. I don't think right now anybody's at fault. I can't kill Trent. I can't kill the Redskins. I think both sides obviously can budge a little bit and come to some sort of a happier uh, agreement and, 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 you know, meet each other in the middle somewhere. And I think that's ultimately the only way that this is going to get solved because ultimately I think the Redskins are vindictive enough that if Trent really is dug in deep here and decides to sit out the whole year, that they won't trade him, that they will hold on to him, and they will try and ruin his NFL career. And maybe, you know, again, hold his rights for a full year. Not trade him, meaning before the deadline, so he and reward him to go to another team. Uh, maybe they could. I, you know, it just depends. Depends on how bad they view the whole situation. Again, a lot is going to play out here over the next month or so for Trent Williams. All right, we'll uh, put an end to this for right now. And of course, again, we're going to talk about this a lot. And every new development and every new story is going to be a big deal. But again. Trent Williams not expected to report to Redskins training camp, first reported by Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network. Again, he has to be medically cleared. Ian Rappaport did point that out. We don't know if that means by an independent doctor or Redskins team doctors. I assume the Redskins team doctors are involved in this somehow. My spin quickly is I don't blame either side right now. I wish Trent would come in and do business that way, but I can't blame him right now. Right now. This might change when we get to week one. I can't blame him right now. And that's how I'll leave it. All right. When we come back on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 270, we will break down the Redskins wide receiver group. Uh, It's a complicated puzzle. Let's just call it that. As we continue our Redskins season, a preseason and pre-training camp unit previews. Plus, we also have a look at the Philadelphia Eagles on offense when we return on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. All right, it is episode number 270 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. So away we go with our Redskins wide receiver unit preview. Uh, and look, we all know that this is a pedestrian group on paper. Um, however, I have much more optimism for this group than I think most people do. As a matter of fact, I know than most people do. I'm not sold that Josh Doxson will ever be anything more than a pedestrian receiver. He's not a great red zone threat like he was built out to be from TCU. Uh, He certainly does not have good enough hands, which was, again, another reported strength. We know he doesn't have great speed, but yet he's only in year four, and sometimes guys are late bloomers, and it takes time for guys to develop. And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. We just never know. You hope that by being a free agent and not having the fifth-year option picked up, that Josh Doxson, whatever he needs to motivate himself, whatever he needs to put a chip on his shoulder, whatever he needs to be finally what the Redskins thought they were getting, that that comes to fruition while still with the Redskins. And then you deal with the future after that. Um, But Josh Doxson clearly has not been good enough. He needs to be better. And the Redskins need him to be somewhere in the 60-plus range in terms of catches, six, seven touchdowns, and healthy for 14 or 15 games, meaning playing in 14 or 15 games minimum. Uh, Speaking of being healthy, uh, Paul Richardson just has to stay on the field. I have no doubt about Paul Richardson uh, as a speed threat, uh, as a tough catcher of the football, somebody who's willing to climb the ladder, somebody who's able to catch 50-50 balls, somebody who's able to pluck balls out of the air, bad throws, what have you. That is Paul Richardson. That's what the tape shows us about Paul Richardson. Uh, When he's been healthy, and it's, again, not very often, he's been very productive, i.e. his free agent walk year with Seattle. But they knew he had a long history of injuries. They knew he was going to get paid more money than they wanted to give him, and I understand that because durability is something that you cannot overlook in the NFL, and yet the Redskins always seem to overlook it. Uh, And a team like Seattle, I think, kind of looked at it and said, well, okay, we'd like to keep him, but we can't do that because he's not durable. And to me, that's a great mistake. When you take chances on guys that just aren't able to stay healthy and significant chances and multiple chances, not only for one guy, but multiple guys. Now you're talking about Jordan Reed, Darius, I mean, so on and so forth, right down the line. It's going to come back and burn you. I have no doubt Paul Richardson will be fine if he's on the field, if he's even remotely close to being healthy. Uh, then you look at the rest of the position group, Terry McLaurin, who we had on as a guest about two, a couple of weeks ago right before uh, the summer break. Terry McLaurin, I think, is going to be a fantastic special teams player. We all know that, but I think he's going to be um, hopefully – very good in kind of an extra receiver role, working out of the slot, working some inside, outside. I think you're going to see a lot of three-by-ones, a lot of four-by-ones or two-by-twos. Maybe, you know, he'll work in the five-receiver sets uh, out of the double slot. I think Terry McLaurin, with his speed, inside-outside ability, and work ethic will be more than fine. Then, for the Redskins, you have veterans like Brian Quick, uh, and then young veterans like Robert Davis, um, Darvin Kidsey, Jehu Chesson. Uh, and then you have all these 
kind of question mark guys. Cam Sims, who made the roster last year. Steven Sims Jr. Uh, and, you know, look, I, I don't want to be mean to anybody, but I, I just don't know if there's any room for Brian Quick on the roster. I'd be surprised if he's there. I can't rule it out, but I'd be surprised if he's there because, again, you never know because of injury. Uh, Jehu Chesson, from what I understand, very good special teams player, not really a wide receiver. Um, Darvin Kidsey, I don't know enough about him. Robert Davis, a lot of people have high hopes for. And a lot of people thought was really blossoming last year before he blew out his knee. I just don't know until I see him again and see where he's at. You hope, but you just don't know. I mean, I would say he's in, on the outside looking in, but I do know they like him. Um, and Cam Sims, again, is a guy who all he did was impress last training camp and preseason and at parts of the OTAs this year. And ultimately, I think Cam Sims will be on the roster. Can't say for sure, but ultimately, I think he'll be on the roster. Oh, and don't forget about Trey Quinn. They let Jamison Crowder go. For Trey Quinn, and Trey Quinn, uh, while injured a lot last year, again, was targeted heavy in the two games he played midway through after coming off the first injury against Houston and Dallas and was targeted, I think, 12 times and caught 11 balls with a touchdown, or maybe it was 10 times and 11 uh, uh, on 11 targets, whatever the situation was. So Trey Quinn, Josh Doxson, and Paul Richardson, I would assume, would be 1-2-3 on opening day if all three are healthy with Terry McLaurin and then Kelvin Harmon, the sixth-round pick out of NC State. I mean, I think both of those guys will make it, and my guess would be Cam Sims would make it. And guys like Quick, Chesson, um, Robert Davis, Darvin Kidsey, uh, you know, Stephen Sims Jr., they'll all probably get cut. or And some will be on the practice squad, but I, I just I don't know how they take any more than six. Maybe they take a seventh? I guess. But I don't see how that works in any other way. Again, injuries, the great unknown. They might take a seventh because of the injury history to uh, to, uh, Paul Richardson and to Trey Quinn. Maybe they take a seventh. I, I guess the argument could be made that they only take five. I don't see that. But I think this is a above-average group. I don't want to say it's a good group. I think it has the potential to be good. Again, a lot of that potential comes down to Paul Richardson. If Paul Richardson is healthy and if Paul Richardson is what he was in Seattle two years ago and what he has been at times, very brief times in his NFL career, and certainly what he was in college, he is a strike-up-the-band-type weapon. He is Deshaun Jackson light. Again, if he's healthy... I think the Redskins are going to be a lot better than you think and that many people think if he's healthy. All right, that's going to do it for our wide receiver unit preview. When we come back, we will get a word in on the Philadelphia Eagles on offense. Super Bowl champs from two years ago, how they looking without Nick Foles behind Carson Wentz. That's next on, on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. What's up, guys? It's Chris Russell, Locked on Redskins. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Not to go to work, not to go to the store because you forgot something, but ready to go to the bedroom. That's right. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed, fellas. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. 
Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, and you can be ready to go whenever the opportunity comes about. If you could benefit from a little extra function, fellas, and more confidence where it matters, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew. Is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. If you visit BlueChew.com, you get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. Get it now, guys. All right, we are back here on the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us. Just a couple of minutes, uh, so let's get to it right away. The Philadelphia Eagles on defense, as we mentioned, Carson Wentz. The only question is is whether Carson Wentz can stay healthy. Unfortunately for him, he's missed the last two playoff runs, including the Super Bowl and the trip to the second round of the playoffs. Nate Sudfeld is his backup. So Nate Sudfeld is one snap away, as he has been uh, a lot in his young NFL career, the former Redskin draft pick from not too long ago uh, in 2016, is the backup quarterback for Carson Wentz. Clearly, he's not Carson Wentz. We all understand that. Uh, and that would be to the advantage of everybody else in the division if Nate is playing over Carson Wentz. There is no, again, Nick Foles uh, this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. At running back, uh, the Eagles are, you know, they're interesting is the best way I could put it. I I, I don't, they're different. They don't have LeGarrette Blount. Uh, they don't have Jay Ajayi, that big physical mauler. They have Jordan Howard. They drafted Mike Sanders in the second round out of Penn State. They have Corey Clement. They have Wendell Smallwood. They have Josh Adams, who impressed at times last year. Seems like they are a speed, shifty type, catch the ball out of the backfield, slash type backfield, which kind of models the modern age backfield for most teams. Uh, At wide receiver, they add back Deshaun Jackson, along with Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. They also drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the second round. So, you know, they they went heavy on their offense between Arcega-Whiteside and Miles Sanders in the second round of this year's draft after drafting Andre Dillard, the left tackle, in the first round. Uh, back to the wide receivers for a sec. You know, I think it's a good group for the Eagles. I don't think it's a, oh, my goodness, they're going to blow you away type group. But I think it's more than productive. And because their tight end is so good, Zach Ertz, and because they drafted early Dallas Goddard two years ago in the second round, and because their offensive line is pretty good, we mentioned Andre Dillard, first-round pick, to go along with Jason Peters, and then the rest of the crew led by Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, you know, they can get away with not having dominant, dominant, dominant weapons at every position because they're good in all positions. They've spread out the wealth. They've spread out their resources. The Eagles aren't going to be, in my opinion, an explosive, explosive offense, but they're going to be capable of being explosive if Carson Wentz is on his game and if Carson Wentz stays healthy. They're going to be more than capable. But I don't think they'll be a consistently dominant 30-plus point-per-game offense. Plus, they brought back Darren Sproles the other day. I forgot about that uh, as well. So Darren Sproles back into the mix 
uh, and he can obviously help you as a running back and as well a punt returner. So that's a look at the Philadelphia Eagles on offense. I think it's a really good offensive unit. I don't think it's great, great, and obviously it depends on whether Carson Wentz can stay healthy for a 16-game season and beyond, and that is an enormous, enormous question no matter what anybody is going to say. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Locked on Redskins podcast episode number 270. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Chris Russell. As always, make sure you follow at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins on Twitter for the latest, as well at Locked on NFL Net. We will see you for episode number 271. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for downloading. Adios. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.